John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus speaking, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we have one commandment. We call this the royal law of love. We have one commandment in the New Testament. Isn't that a whole lot better than the Old Testament? How many would agree? One. One. Walk in love. Just walk in love. And God put that love in us at the new birth. When you received Jesus, you received God's Spirit in your spirit, reborn. And that love of God is already there. It's already inside you. You just need to develop your spirit. Learn to walk in love. Learn to yield to your spirit. Why? Because you still have the same flesh and your flesh is contrary to your spirit. In fact, the Bible talks about our flesh and our spirit warring against one another. Your flesh is powerful. How many would agree? Come on. I mean, you want what you want when you want it. I mean, and that's the problem is, is that our body says, that sounds good. Let's, let, you know, that, that tastes good. Let's eat it. You know, that smells good. Let's smell it. That looks good. Let's watch it. I mean, you know, that feels good. Let's touch it. I mean, it's our bodies are driven like that. And it, it, guess what? It's going to be that way for the rest of your life. Now, you can grow in the spirit to where your spirit man on the inside of you is ruling the rest of you. It's controlling the rest of you. And therefore, your actual outer man, the flesh, actually can learn to obey your spirit. You can actually get to the point that you'll always have desires that are contrary to things, but you can get to the point that your body actually doesn't want to do wrong. It actually kind of recoils at it. I've experienced that in some areas of my life. I'm not going to say every area all the time, but I've experienced where my body recoils at certain things. Well, we want to get to the point that anything wrong, anything that we shouldn't be doing, our body recoils at it. Amen? But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about love. Everybody say love. Now, we started a series last week we're calling Real Love, and we're looking at what the Bible says about love, and we're not touching hardly anything. We're not scratching the surface over the next couple of weeks, but we're getting some good information. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing the Word. And so our faith in love is growing when we hear about the subject of love. Now, here we have our one and only command in the New Testament. Again, the royal law of love. We are to love one another the same way Jesus loves us. Jesus set the standard of love. Thank God He set the standard, because if we would have set the standard, it would have been a lot lower probably. The bar would have been way down there. But Jesus set the standard of love. So we are to what? We are to love one another as He loves us. So what we want to do is look at what does the Bible say about how he loves us, and then we learn to express that love towards one another. Now, this is what this shows, that love is living evidence of our total dedication and commitment to Christ our Lord and Savior. That our commitment and dedication is expressed through our walking in love with one another. All right? How will people know we're Christians? By our walking around with our Bible? By saying, I'm a Christian? 
you know, by having bumper stickers all over our car saying that, you know, God's my co-pilot, things like that, you know? No. Or WWJD, you know? That's a little outdated a little bit now. But my point is, is that no. How does the Bible say that people will know that we are His disciples? By our love for one another. That means our love has got to stand out. We're doing things the world's not doing. And they're looking and thinking, why would you do that? Why would you forgive the person who stole from you? What is in you that can still smile at the person who backstabbed you? How can you do that? We can do that through the love of God. And people see that. Now sometimes it may take some time, especially with family. All right, Your family might you know, call you a kook, you're a fake, you're a hypocrite, blah, 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 blah. But over time, they will see something in you that shows them something's different about you than other people. And we want, that's what we want them to see. That's the love of God in us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 through chapter 5, verse 2, is an excellent area that you ought to meditate on in the Word of God to develop yourself. Verse 32, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So he gives us some information. Be kind to one another, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. Then he goes on to say, therefore, and he, he gives us some things we ought to be doing. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. In other words, we ought to be laying our lives down in love. Laying our lives down. We're imitators of God. We are to be kind to one another. And you know, it's easy to be kind to someone who's kind to you, isn't it? It's hard necessarily to be kind to someone who's not kind to you, who's mean to you, you know? You ever needed to deal with someone that uh, my old pastor used to call them $10 an hour executives? And what he meant by that is there's somebody with power. And I mean, all that power might be is somebody in the city that all they got to do is stamp something and you're good. But they have the stamp and the pad and they control it. And if you're not nice to them, they might say, well, why don't you just sit there on that bench for another couple hours? And when you cool down, I'll help you. In other words, they've they got power and they're controlling that. And you know how it's easy to get up and what? You want to return railing for railing. In other words, they are mean to you. I want to be what? Back to them. Mean. Come on. That's the natural. Your flesh rises up real quick. I want to... And in your spirit, hopefully, you've been feeding your spirit. And your spirit says, calm down. Cool down. Listen, this isn't going to help the situation by me barking back at someone. It's going to make it worse. Plus, what about my witness? After all, my wife is always going, remember, you're a pastor. Well, I would say this to all of us. Remember, you're a Christian. That trumps being a pastor. Amen? Remember to love like Jesus loved. Do you really, can you picture Jesus barking at someone? Just yelling and screaming at them across the line because they didn't put ketchup on his burger? Can you? I just, I don't believe, I can't picture Jesus in a picket line doing this number. 
I can't picture him in some union thing and, and making you know, problems for everybody else and standing in, right in front of someone's face. I just, Jesus, did, he wouldn't do that. That doesn't mean he was weak. It just means that he wasn't going to mess with that kind of infantile stuff. He was too mature for that. Amen? Amen. Don't we got some growing to do, don't we? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Now listen. We see here that Jesus loves us with a forgiving love. And that's how you and I are to love. God is love and He forgives and that's what He wants in our life. What I want to talk about today is forgiving or love forgives is the title of my message. And what I'm talking about is, you know, you've been hurt. You've been stabbed in the back. Someone stole from you. Someone uh, gossiped about you. Someone did something wrong in your life that you loved. You know, my old pastor used to say all the time, I uh, used to talk about, you've never been hurt unless you've been hurt by a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ. Someone you trusted, someone that you laid your life down with, and they hurt you, all right? And so in the middle of that, I'm still required to walk in love. God, listen to me, we don't have an exemption that because we got hurt, God says, well, don't worry about it, son, daughter. You don't have to walk in love right now. I know you're in pain. no. We are to love one another how? Has he loved us? Amen. Did God ever take a break from loving you? Praise God he didn't. Amen. Aren't you grateful that he is full of grace, full of mercy? Amen. I sure am. I mean, I make daily mistakes sometimes, sometimes minute by minute. And I need his grace. I need his mercy in my life. I'm grateful for it. Well, Peter asked a question. I want you to picture you're hurt, you're upset, you're mad. And Peter asked this question of Jesus, all right? He asked a question that most of us want to ask, all right? Well, how many times do I have to forgive them? And see, in other words, what, what we want is a low number. We want a line, right? How many times do I have to forgive them? That's a question everybody wants to ask. And so Peter asked this question, and we see in Matthew 18, 21, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? In other words, that's what he's hoping for, because he's thinking seven times is a good, nice, round number. It's big, you know. And then, of course, Jesus replies, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, Jesus wasn't implying that once you reach 490, it's over, man. It, game is on. You can, you can do whatever you want to that person. It would be insane to think in one day that you're going to have to forgive someone 490 times. So what is Jesus really saying? There's never going to come an end to it. There's never going to come an end to it. Aren't you grateful he didn't have a number with you? Praise God I'm grateful. Because I might have exceeded it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, but he didn't, he didn't do that to me. He just forgives, all right? Now, Jesus' response to Peter is probably what we sometimes don't want to hear. That's not what I want to hear when someone hurt me, when someone backstabbed me. But it's the truth. And it's a truth we all need to hear and remember and live by, all right? There is no ending to forgiveness the way God would do it. Now, then Jesus goes right into a story of forgiveness. Let's go ahead and look at that. Matthew 18, verse 23. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. It's, it's nice and expressive. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. 
In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. And he had the right to do it. All right? That was lawful. All right? Now, verse 26. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. How many would agree it would be very difficult to pay back millions of dollars? I mean, millions. It didn't say million. Millions. Okay? That's a lot of money. Even back then, what I mean is is that even more so back then. All right? Millions of dollars. How many agree he's not going to get the money to pay it back? Right? But he's begging for his life. He's begging for mercy. And it says here, verse 27, Then his master was filled with pity for him, or compassion. And he released him and forgave his debt. He released him. He didn't say, you owe me and we'll, 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 we'll do a payment plan. He let it go. He forgot about it. Think about it. Millions of dollars this man owed. And he just let it go. Now, verse 28, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Now, how many would agree a a few thousand dollars, a whole lot less than millions of dollars, and that is an achievable uh, payback. That is an achievable debt, okay? So we have the same story going on here. He owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And he says here, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now, how many would agree we have been forgiven of a massive debt? How many would agree? That sin debt, listen to me, you couldn't have paid in a thousand lifetimes. Never paid it. Possible. It's it's not possible. Yet... Jesus paid the debt, forgave you, and set you free without any strings attached, right? Yet sometimes we can get upset over the minus thing, minorest thing in our life. Somebody does, does, does something silly in our life and we want to press our finger against it and say, that's wrong. I shouldn't be done that way. I'm an American. I voted. You know, I have blank, blank, and we put our thumb right on them and press in and say, that shouldn't happen to me. That's unacceptable. And we hold unforgiveness. And, you know, I think without realizing it, all of us hold unforgiveness. When we think of forgiveness and unforgiveness in our lives, sometimes we think of, for example, forgiveness in a relationship, forgiveness in in, in some situation like that, we don't think of it in just our everyday life, just dealing with people. How many believe that we should forgive the person that made a mistake when we ordered something? Instead, I'm going to go back and I'm going to give that manager a what for. 
I'm going to tell you. realize I had to go all the way home, and I got home, and then da-da-da-da-da-da, you know. So I'm going to go back, and I'm going to give a piece of my mind. You don't have any to spare. Neither do I. But no one laughed at that hardly. Chuckled a little bit. Listen to me carefully, though. I'm not going to ask if you've ever done anything like that. In any situation similar to that, in any way, shape, or form, but probably have gotten upset over something. And the reality is, isn't it minor? When you think about life as a whole, it's extremely minor. And, and this story is saying in every area of our life, forgive generously. Forgive generously. Just be forgiving. If someone makes a mistake, well, that was, well they cheated me five or six dollars because you know, they, they added it up wrong. I'm, I'm, I need to be justified. Do you? Do you really want that? You know, when a, when a cop pulls me over, yes, it's happened. <laughs> when a cop pulls me over, maybe for speeding or something like that, and it doesn't happen very often, but it, it, it's happened. You know, the first prayer out of my mouth, Father, in the name of Jesus, I am not asking for justice. I'm asking for mercy. I, I was wrong. <laughs> I know I did wrong. You know, I know I'm wrong. I'm asking for mercy. And every single time I get it, praise God, God is so faithful. You know, why? I'm not asking to be justified. Don't dare in any area of your life ask to be justified. Because you're asking for problems in your life. Don't be a legalist. Don't be that way. Forgive generously all the time. So you lost 10 bucks. Big, fat, hairy deal. You'll spend it on something else stupid if you had it. Everybody say amen. Come on. I mean, sometimes we can get so upset over something and we're holding on forgiveness and don't even realize we didn't forgive that person. But don't they deserve forgiveness like everybody else? See, sometimes we think in forgiveness only in context of maybe a relationship. And you should be thinking about it in every area of your life, all the time. For, everybody say it with me. Forgive generously. Amen. Now, again, when we consider what we've been forgiven of in relation to that, it's easy to forgive anything else. I mean, when I think of what God has forgiven us in Christ, and He even made a way when we make mistakes after we received Him to make our way back, right? Isn't that what 1 John 1, nine is for? That if you mess up, you screw up, that what do we do? We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As if it never happened. He just wipes it out. Praise God. That is the way we ought to be with people. That is the way we ought to be with situations that we're forgiving generously, that we, for, we just wipe it out. We just get rid of it immediately. We don't dwell on it. Is forgiveness important to the Lord? How many would agree? That story tells us that. It says that forgiveness is very important to the Lord. But even more so, forgiveness is important to the success of your life. Because, you see, unforgiveness will hold you in bondage. You know, uh, there's a story I want to share with you. You have a little boy and his sister, uh, Johnny and Sally, and they're going to go stay with Grandma and Grandpa over the weekend. And uh, uh, Johnny was given his, his uh, first slingshot. And so he's out there, and he's take, picking up stones, and man, he can't hit anything if his life depended on it. I mean, he's just staring right at a tree like five feet from him. He can't hit it. And so he's going around practicing and practicing and practicing, and finally uh, there was a moment where Grandma's pet duck was in the yard, 
And so he picked up a rock and he, he pointed it at it. He says, he's not worried about hitting it. He hasn't hit in the side of the house next to it, okay? And so he pulls it, boom, oh my gosh, I hit the duck. And the duck dies. And so he goes over and he picks up the dead duck. And he's panicking and freaking out now. So he takes grandma's pet duck and he goes and puts it on a wood pile. Tries to hide it real quick. He turns around and there's his sister. And his sister saw everything and kept her mouth shut. So a little bit later, they're in the house and, and uh, grandma says, Hey, I need Sally to help me with the dishes. And she said, Oh, don't worry about that. Johnny wants to help today. And he whis- she whispers in Johnny's ear, Remember the duck. So Johnny, uh, so Johnny does the dishes and so on and so forth. And, and a little bit later, Grandpa says, hey, let's go fishing. So Johnny and Sally say, okay, yeah, let's go. We're excited. And then uh, uh, Grandma says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need Sally to help me prepare supper. And so Sally says, oh, don't worry about that, Grandma. Johnny wants to do it. He's excited about it. So, so he goes over and he, he works on that, you know, and he's doing his thing. And, and this goes on day after day after day, you know. And finally, with all the chores, he's doing double duty on all the chores. Finally, Johnny can't take it anymore. So he goes to Grandma and he says, I have to confess something to you, Grandma. I inadvertently killed your pet duck, and I'm very, very sorry about it. Well, she looks at Johnny and <laughs> she gives him a big hun, you know, hug and says, well... I forgive you, and uh, I, I forgot about it uh, because I love you. But, you know, I saw the whole thing from the window before the whole thing started, and the only question I had in mind is, how long were you going to let Sally torment you? In other words, how long were you going to be a slave to this thing? And you see what unforgiveness does, how when we don't confess things, when we don't get rid of it, when we don't fess up. You know, how this thing kind of gets in there and gets in our life and affects all parties, so to speak. Even though grandma knew about it, she still loved and forgave and forgot, but she couldn't make Johnny confess. You know, she didn't want it to come out that way. And of course, Sally, (laughs) you know, uh, taking advantage of the situation. Well, the reality is this unforgiveness binds you, but it also hurts others. Living a lifestyle of forgiveness. Listen to me carefully. Living a lifestyle flowing in love, in forgiveness, is living a free life. Is living a free life. Whether we did something wrong, we know someone else did something wrong, it doesn't really matter. I want you to think about this for a minute in respect to forgiving. If living a life flowing in forgiveness is living free, think about this, God chooses to live a forgiving lifestyle, and look how well he's doing. Love never, finish it, love never fails. Love never fails. Love never fails. So in other words, if we want to avoid failure in life, and how many would like to, how how do we do that? We act, we imitate our father. And what is he? He's love. He walks in love. That love lifestyle, that forgiving generously, that flowing in love is the way to go to be successful in life. In other words, that's the way not to fail, not to make the same mistake over and over and over again. I want to express to you real quickly this morning that forgiveness 
is God's idea. I think sometimes we're the ones that need forgiveness, and some, some, somehow we would think it's something man kind of created. We need this, but forgiveness is God's idea. Look with me at Jeremiah 31, starting with verse 31. Really listen to this and absorb it. Look at it on the screen. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. That's what you and I are living in now. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. Look at that. That is beautiful. Verse 33, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord, for everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. That's us today. That is the new covenant. We live in a a place where God won't remember our sins. How many have realized, aren't you grateful that you don't have to go get a bull and sacrifice him? You know, it was bloody in the Old Testament. It was a mess in the Old Testament. But we don't have to do that. Praise God. God made a way that he put his love in us. That's what he's talking about. I put my instructions in their hearts. You realize that as a born-again child of God, you want to do right. You're driven to do right. That's why when you do wrong, what happens on the inside of you? The bird quits singing. Joy leaves. It doesn't feel right. It just, something's wrong. I feel icky on the inside. And I, how do I fix that? I just confess it in 1 John 1, 9. And I put that behind me. And God takes it by the blood of Jesus, wipes it out, and it never happened. And I'm right back where I was in fellowship with the Lord again. I'm connected back again. But the fact is, we need to understand that God had a plan and that is available to all of us today to walk in this situation where we have the love of God in us. We have His commands. I don't need to remember the command, um, don't lie. Why? Because lying would be harmful to what? My friend, my neighbor, whoever I'm lying, I'm hurting them. Well, I don't need that. Why? I have the royal law of love. If I love you, I won't lie about you or lie to you. If I love you, I won't steal from you. That's why we don't have to memorize all those things. That's why we don't have to memorize all these different individual little uh, mandates or commandments. We have the love of God. All we got to do is let that love flow through us in life and live by it. And there we go. Man, I tell you guys, we really do have it made. I mean, we really do. Amen. Now let's look at Psalm 103 verses two and three. Most of you know this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Praise God. God wants us blessed. Say it with me. God wants me blessed. He wants you blessed. He wants you overflowing. He wants you healthy. He wants you doing really well. But it all comes down to this. You have to live in agreement with him. And that's walking in love. It's that simple. Daniel 9 9, I really like this. Daniel 9 9 says, To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. 
praise God. Aren't you grateful for our merciful God? Our forgiving God. Amen. That even though sometimes He knows we have plans already to do something dumb (laughs) and blow it, He's merciful. Amen. He doesn't disown us. He doesn't call us out and embarrass us. No, He'll let you make a mistake and fall, you know, and get hurt and get a boo-boo. And then you go to Him and you get it fixed. Amen. And you get right back up on the bike and keep on moving. But praise God, let's get to the point where we don't fall down so much. How do we do that? By walking in love. By being conscious of the love of God in us. That is one of the reasons why we need to confess the Word of God out of our mouth continually. Why? The more I confess it, the more conscious I am of His indwelling presence. Let me ask you this. Do not raise your hand. If you were going to go see a movie and it turned out, wow, that's a little raunchy. You know, that's a, that's a little, that's wrong. I shouldn't be looking at that. Well, where you're at will determine what you're going to do at that moment. Do I get up and leave or do I just stay here and push through? Now, listen to me. All you have to do is ask Jesus, what do you want to do? So you took him with you. Hey, Jesus, do you want to watch this dirty movie with me? No, Ken, I don't want to watch that dirty movie with you. Boy, it's so silent in here. Hmm. I'm not suggesting anybody's watching dirty movies. But I am suggesting sometimes we, we, we need to remember and be God inside conscious that, wait a minute now, what I'm watching matters. That what I'm doing matters. It, it impacts my life. And I take the Holy Ghost with me. Do you realize the importance of that? In the Old Testament, God dwelt, remember, in the, in the Ark of the Covenant? And they would uh, take up the temple, the portable one, and they would move it around. And, and the Ark, boy, that was really, really powerful. Remember, there were times that guys missed, didn't do it right, and they died just touching it. I mean, just doing the wrong thing. In other words, it was powerful. Do you realize that is an example of what you have inside you now? That you are, say it with me, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside me and I take Him everywhere I go. The more conscious I am of that, the more aware I am of that makes it easier to walk in love. Makes it easier to avoid things and not do uh, the wrong thing. But when we don't feed our spirit, when we're just busy in life and doing our thing and watching whatever we want and never reading the Bible and never praying and and just da-da-da, at least between Sundays, well, we're going to be a little bit anemic. And what's going to happen when all of a sudden some challenge comes against us? Maybe some situation where someone's not treating us right. The old man might come out for the fight. You know, the old man we're supposed to keep dead and buried. Remember what what did Paul say? Put on the new man. Well, what is he talking about? He's saying, be God inside conscious. Be aware when you wake up the morning. Put on that man. Look in the mirror and say, the greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. That I remind myself that God lives in me and that I am to love everyone as he loved me. You guys see that. But if we don't put on the new man, guess what you probably did? You left the old man on. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but the old man, he can be honorary. He can do things and say things and accomplish things that you would never normally do. And that's what you'd say. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe 
You know, there's a lot of preachers, there's a lot of, of, of Christians that have done things that at one time they would say, I just don't know how I got there. Little by little, little by little, little by little. We, we loosened up, we loosened up, we loosened up, let our flesh have more space. And eventually we would do something, God, dear God, I would never do. And of course, then we read about them on the news. And everybody makes fun of them and picks on them and says, see, I told you all these Christians are hypocrites. No, we're not hypocrites. Are you a hypocrite? I'm not a hypocrite. Amen? See, I'm full of the love of God. And I walk in that love. But you have to make a decision to walk in love, God. It's not just going to happen. You have to decide. Put on the new man. That means be conscious of the Spirit of God inside you in everything you do. Forgive generously. Isaiah 55, verse 7 says, Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that He may have mercy on them. What What does God have on us when we go to Him? Mercy on us. Amen? Yes, turn to our God, for He will forgive generously. Amen? Think about Jonah. Remember when he was going to go to the people of Nineveh? Man, the people of Nineveh were were wicked, wicked, wicked. Everybody say it with me. Wicked, wicked, wicked. I mean, they sacrificed their own kids. They did some horrible things to the Israelites. They were bad people, all right? Really bad people. And God says, I'm going to wipe them out. You know, it's not the first time, remember? We had Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, in other words, God was in a position that if things don't change, I have to judge them. That's who God is, right? He's the judge. Well, he's in a situation, so God says, I know what I'll do. I'm going to get Jonah, my prophet, and I'm going to have him go and tell these people to repent or judgment's coming. And so Jonah doesn't want to do it. We know the whole story, right? I'm not going to tell you everything. He takes off and so on and so Why? Jonah wants to see him crushed. He wants to say, burn, baby, burn. I mean, why? Same reason Peter asked, how many times do I got to forgive him? And so when it, when it was all said and done, we all know what happened, right? The whale spit up Jonah, right? Comes out. Can you imagine what he looked like? All bleached and white, yucky, slimy. That would scare you right there. I mean, this person lands on the I mean, right there had to be just remarkable, you know, to see that. But anyway, Jonah just reluctantly tells everybody, yeah, 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 repent, you know, blah, 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 blah. The people do it. (laughs) And and I mean, the king, all the way down, man, everybody's on their knees asking God for mercy. And God is more than ready to give it. God is more than ready. He wants to see them change. He does not want to judge them in that harsh way. And so they have the mercy. And then you remember at the end of the story, you see a situation where Jonah's pouting and he's mad because God had mercy. He said, I knew you were going to give mercy. I knew the minute they just, you just not do anything, you know. And, uh, and then God looked at him in pity in the sense that you, you don't get it, Jonah. That (laughs) aren't the lives of all these people more valuable than, you know, anything, than than anything? You know, when the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Remember, what is that world about? It's about the people, not the earth, not the planet. God looked at these people. 
They're misguided. Remember, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If they knew the truth, if everyone really, 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 really understood and knew the truth, don't you think most people would turn to the Lord? If they really understood it, well, that's a spiritual battle, Warren. They don't fully understand it. But the fact is, you see these people, and God wants to have mercy on them. What I'm trying to say is this. That, that's exactly what he says here in Isaiah 55, 7. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. He will forgive generously. That's what God wants in our life. We are forgiving generously. We're easy, easy to forgive other people. Now, I want to give you four points, so to speak, on love. I want you to write down four points. We'll go through them real quickly. And what I mean is things that we can do okay, in our life to forgive generously. All right, four things. Number one, love covers. Love covers. Love covers. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, And above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Covers sins. That doesn't necessarily mean, guys, that we're hiding from the law like somebody's doing something wrong like they're, well, I, I, I witnessed someone stealing from a bank. I should cover that with love. <laughs> No. What he's talking about is the things that we do in life. The things that we might see that people stumble uh, and do or say or react, that we cover it. That if we see an error in their life, we're not, in, we're not pointing it out. What are we doing? We're covering it. We're loving them. We're helping them. First, let, let me read 1 Peter 4, 8. This is the Amplified. Above all things, have intense and unfailing love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Now listen to what it says. A multitude of sins and explains it. Forgives and disregards the offenses of others. That's what we're talking about. Forgives and disregards the offenses of others. Have you ever had the opportunity to be offended? <laughs> like a hundred times a week. I mean, <laughs> you know, all the time. Especially the busier I am and the more I'm doing and the more people I'm involved with, the more opportunity for offenses, right? More opportunity. Hey, that guy shouldn't have cut me off. Hey, he shouldn't have done this. Hey, they shouldn't have done that. Well, the fact is these offenses are there. What the Bible's saying is cover them with love. Don't have to bring them up. Don't have to point them out. In marriage, we don't have to point out every little thing. But it's easy to do. With children or grandchildren or people you work with, it's easy to point out the offenses or talk about them or gossip about them. The fact is, what are we to do? Cover them with love. We're not to bring them up. We just cover them. I remember years ago, I was working in, in the ministry, not here, but years ago, and I came across something while I was in the ministry. It wasn't like a... Uh, it was somebody, somebody did something they shouldn't have done, but it wasn't like against the law or anything like that, okay? Nothing like that. It just wouldn't have necessarily looked good. And I saw it, but no one else knew it. I was the only one. And this person didn't even know I know to this day. And I realized it may have been old, whatever it was. And so I just made a decision. I'm just going to cover this. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to make an issue of it. I'm not going to say anything ever to anybody. My wife has no idea what I'm talking about. I mean, no one has ever has an issue. The point I'm making is, is sometimes that's the best thing. It isn't going to help anybody. It isn't going to. My wife, of course, will point this out to me. Hey, Ken, you don't always have to be right. Anybody have that problem sometimes? 
you have to be right. Look at now, yeah, a little smile in there, but no one's admitting anything. You know, you're in an argument, you have to be right. You have to be right. And I will defend myself, you know, to the death over being right. You know, we don't have to. We can cover it. Amen. Proverbs ten twelve says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Amen. Love covers sins. Love covers those offenses. Number two, love doesn't keep count. Or you could say love doesn't keep track. So we're talking about things that we can do in our life to walk in love. So love covers, love doesn't keep count. 1 Corinthians 13 the latter part of verse 5 in the Amplified, it says, Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Look at the last part. It takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. I have seen people list wrongs. <laughs> and what I mean is, is that you know, they would bring up a list it's like this laundry list or a note thing they had of everything the husband had done over the last three years. You know, you did this and this and this and this and this and this. My wife doesn't do that, but I mean, uh, I'm saying I've been in situations where I've seen this or in family. And I mean, they remember everything. They're keeping track. They're keeping score. Or a husband and wife are remembering and they're keeping track of the wrongs the other one did. And it's like whoever's, you know, the lowest is the better one or something. <laughs> you know, we are not to keep track. We're not to count. We are not to let go. And so what I'm trying to say here is I'm not keeping count. I'm not remembering. I'm letting go. All right. I'm forgetting. Number three, love gives people room. Love gives people room. Colossians 3.13. Listen closely to this one. Make allowance for each other's faults. Anybody here got faults? (laughs) You know, we got faults. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so we must forgive others. We need to give allowance for faults. Let's put it this way. We all live in glass houses. Let's not throw rocks. All right? We all are imperfect. We all have challenges. All right? Don't throw rocks. And number four, love forgets. Love forgets. Love forgets. Listen to this. Clara Barton was founder of the American Red Cross, and one day she was reminded of a vicious deed that someone had done to her years before. And in the interview, she acted as she had never heard of the incident. And finally, the person said, don't you remember it? And she says, no, Barton's reply, I distinctly remember doing my best to forget it. Did you hear that? In other words, I remember forgetting it, not trying to remember it. In other words, how much effort are we putting into forgetting See, you can't forgive without forgetting, and that's the point. God both forgave us and forgot our sin. Jesus never reminds us of past mistakes, even though the devil does. Have you ever noticed that? The devil brings up like a movie screen every dumb thing you've ever done, and he can bring it up over and over. You need to shut that movie screen down, tell the devil, you're not my father. I don't belong in your family, so none of that counts. That's the old man. 
Amen? I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And praise God, my Heavenly Father is not remembering. He's, he chose to forget it. You know, as, as we, some of you have heard, that God um, put it in His sea of forgetfulness and has a no fishing sign on there. In other words, it's gone. He chooses to forgive and forget. I don't know how God does it, considering God knows everything, but somehow I truly believe He forgets. And if you make a mistake, I want everybody to listen closely. You make a mistake, and let's say you, you, you forgave. I mean, you, uh, you went to the Lord and you asked for forgiveness. Listen closely. Oh, Father, forgive me. That was dumb. I shouldn't have done that. I repent of it, and, and I receive your forgiveness now. And the next day, someone does something that brings you right back to that. And you're in the same situation, having to do the same thing. And all of a sudden, the devil jumps up and reminds you of all these things. And you go back guilty. <sighs> Father, I'm so sorry for screwing up again. You know, you remember what I, you know, I just talked to you yesterday about this. You know what he's going to say? What are you talking about? I don't have any recollection of that. I've never had my Heavenly Father bring up something I did when I asked God to forgive me of it. In other words, it's gone. That is how you and I should live our life. And sometimes it's easier said than done. Have you ever been hurt by someone really close to you? I've been hurt multiple times in my life by people very, very, very close to me. Or, uh, or, or, or they did something you know, they shouldn't have done. Um, they, 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 for a moment, made a fool of me, maybe right in front of everybody. And I've had that happen, called in the carpet right in front of everybody. And it was wrong. They shouldn't have done it and, and embarrassed me. And I had a choice at that moment. Do I walk in love or do I let my feelings and my flesh rule me? Do I walk in love? And so I would make the decision Pull on the inside of me in the name of Jesus. I forgive them and I forget that and I release them in the name of Jesus. I, I have taken this so far, guys. I remember one time uh, when I was in, uh, a young and uh, I helped in the ministry. I, I was out of work for a short period of time. And uh, the ministry I was involved with at the time was doing some extra projects. And so they asked me, hey, you've got a day free. Uh, we can pay you. And, uh, you know, you help out with this. And I was so excited because I, I would do anything, you know, for a little bit of money, you know. And uh, so I did the work. Well, nothing happened. And I never got anything out of it. And it wasn't because somebody was trying to keep it from me. It was because things were kind of tight. You know, but no one was actually saying anything to me. So I finally did right after this. It wasn't like a week or two later. I finally had a job. Everything was doing better. But every time I'd sit in the seat like him right now, what would I be thinking about? I'd think about my pastor who's preaching promised that he would bless me and he didn't. And, and I could have used that money and I still could have used the money. I haven't seen a paycheck from the new job. And so every single time. Every service, which we had three normal services a week, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I would sit there serving, and that thought would come to my mind every single time. Finally, I said, I'm done. I had enough of this. And so I walked up to my pastor after the service, and I said, Pastor, you know that money that you said you'd give me? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant to do that. We just spent a little bit tight. Can you just be I said, no, 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 no. Keep it. I just want to sew it. Just, just keep it. I'm releasing you from it. (laughs) You know, now what was I really doing? 
I was releasing myself from this. The devil was tormenting me with this, ripping me apart over it, and I'm not getting full of the Word because all I'm doing is being reminded of something. And so he didn't do anything wrong to me, but I just released him from it. Oh, thank God, I went home that night. Oh, do I feel better. I mean, I just feel so good. And then God blessed me some other way. The point is, is that forgiveness doesn't mean someone did something bad against you. Sometimes we can just hold things. Let me ask you this. Think about the story that we read. Just work with me that that the Lord gave us regarding the master. Remember the king and the servant who borrowed money? Did one of them or the other do anything wrong? They didn't, didn't say they gossiped about one another, didn't say they backstabbed, didn't say that anybody stole anything, right? It was just a normal financial relationship. And so, you know, the banker, the king, uh, called him up on his debt. He didn't have it, so he did what was right. Lock them all up. That's what you're supposed to do back then. You know, that's what they did. That was standard. The guy begs and pleads, forgive me. And the guy completely releases him. Now, what did it do for the king as well as the gentleman it released them both it set them free you get what i'm saying now the one person in the story didn't take it where he should have but my point now i want you to get this morning is forgiveness sets you free you might think well i know somebody who owes me money and you maybe you're not seeing it maybe things aren't working out And I'm not suggesting you do all this, but you might want to pray and say, Lord, do you want me just to set them free? Would that be best in this situation? I've done it many times over money. Somebody might say, over money? Oh, God, no, no, you never, 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 ever, ever, ever forgive over money. You know, that's money we're talking about, you know. Well, if that's between you and God, then I would get I would let go. I would let go. I'd forgive and forget. And I've done it many times in my life. It wasn't worth it to me. I wanted to be free. I wanted to honor God. I wanted to love people. And I didn't want that between us. With my kids, to be honest with you, I don't really lend them money. Okay? They might ask me, <laughs> but I'm very easygoing about, you know, just let it go. Just, you know, I'm, I'm dad and God's blessed me. And so it's no big deal. You know, I'm not, I don't want this thing over us between us you know anybody know what i'm talking about we have that in our life it might not be money but it can be something else maybe it's property or land or or things don't ever let things don't let anything get between you and god and loving people because what are we commanded to do listen carefully what is our command love one another as jesus loved us did jesus let anything anything come between you and him he gave his life and we think yeah but that's five hundred dollars he gave his life he gave his life everything that jesus did for us way trumps anything that we could do on this planet that was the point of the story live generously in forgiveness don't pick and choose and if it's over money even more so that maybe it'd be best just to let it go amen If we've wronged someone or someone has wronged us, be quick to forgive. Forgiveness sets us free. Amen.